And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. It is good to have you all back for this week. Have a lot to get to. Week 2 of college football, the opening weekend in the NFL, and we did a mail sack. I'm going to get started this episode with the mail sack, so going to be answering your listener questions right off the bat. Sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 56 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. And just to get this right out of the way, like, rate, review, subscribe, all that good shit on iTunes and SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts from. So the first question that I need to tackle, it was asked multiple times, once by Ryan Moore, once by Ty Spalding, and it both centered around Sawyer Smith replacing Terry Wilson. Ty Spalding asking, with Terry Wilson out, how does that change the season outlook for UK? And then Ryan Moore asking, thoughts on Sawyer Smith and how UK, UK perform the rest of the season? So to dive right into this, obviously UK losing... The playmaker that was Terry Wilson at the quarterback position definitely hurts. But on the opposite side, Sawyer Smith, from what I've seen, looks to be a better passer than Terry Wilson. And he's not hes not anywhere comparable on the ground that Terry Wilson was as a run threat. But he still is mobile and can pose a little bit of a threat on the ground, but nowhere near as dynamic and electric of a playmaker with his feet as Terry Wilson is. The only thing that concerns me is how this might change the offense a little bit where they might become maybe too like deep ball happy because Sawyer Smith does throw a good deep ball, but At the end of the day, I think Kentucky knows its identity as a team, and it is first and foremost a run team, impose your will. And I'm pretty confident Sawyer Smith is still going to be able to hand the ball off to Smoke or Rose, and I'm pretty confident he's going to be able to hit Lynn Bowden on screen passes or short routes, and if they ever decide to send him deep, Sawyer Smith throws a good deep ball. All in all, it does hurt. A little bit, but I don't think UK fans need to be pushing the panic button immediately because Sawyer Smith, graduate transfer from Troy, played well there. Um, read some reports that he could be a starting quarterback at a pow- other Power 5 conference schools and would be doing just as fine. So hats off to Mark Soups for, with Gunnar Hoke going away and transferring to Ohio State, how Soups was able to go out and find a backup quarterback with the credentials that Smith has because if he hadn't done that this Kentucky team and I think this season is definitely looking at a much harder uphill battle than what it is now so I hope that answers your question Um, they definitely lose playmaking ability on the ground from the quarterback position but Sawyer Smith is nothing to scoff at in the run game if he needs to be and I think he ultimately at this point in time in Terry Wilson's career is a better passer so you trade off one for the other and ultimately Kentucky's identity on offense is still going to be run the ball impose your will with your offensive linemen and open up holes for the backs and I like I said I think Sawyer Smith is going to be able to hand the ball off as well so doesn't overall it hurts a little bit but it doesn't and shouldn't change the expectations and the goals that this Kentucky team has. Next question comes from Maeve Armstrong, who asks, how are the dance teams looking this year? Um, haven't haven't paid attention to that at all. The only thing I did see of note from a dance team member, the Ladybird that was hit in the face by Ian Book with the football on the errant throwaway pass the first week of the season. Hopefully she is still doing all right and looking as beautiful as ever. I did scroll through her Twitter a little bit afterwards when she was getting some notoriety, and she looked like a very 
beautiful woman. If anybody that is listening to this knows her, throw me the oop. I'm more than okay with that. But yeah, the dance teams are looking good this year. I would guess. I'm I'm not really sure. Next, Kennedy Poston asks, how do you think AB will do on the Patriots? Also, will you sponsor me? I'm looking for a mutual sponsorship here. So you sponsor me, I'll sponsor you. That's how this works. The big thing about Antonio Brown this entire weekend was his saga. And it was so fucking annoying. Literally, on Saturday, them having to cut on into like studio updates during the college football games about Antonio Brown news and then him getting traded to the Patriots and before that suspended not suspended he's playing Monday night for the Raiders all this it just dominated the entire coverage this weekend and it was bullshit because I'm so sick of hearing about him Antonio Brown will probably do amazing on the Patriots he fits every Every need that the Patriots might have in a receiver, he fits. He can go deep for Tom Brady. He can run the intermediate routes like Julian Edelman. He can run just drags across the middle and screen passes and all this other stuff. And they're going to find so many good ways to get him involved in that offense. So Antonio Brown is probably going to go there and help them go undefeated. And it's going to really piss me off. But that's probably the likely scenario that we're looking at. The next question comes from ASAP Berg, who asks, After Thursday's game against the Bears, do you see the Packers winning the NFC North? I do think that game helps their chances exponentially. I mean, they went on the road into Chicago, rivalry game, opening the season, and win that game, not because of their offense, but because of their defense. And they the defense looked impressive, and you got to think the offense – even under new head coach trying to vibe and gel with Aaron Rodgers is only going to improve. So if that defense can stay consistently good, I don't need it to be as dominant as it was because they shut down everything Nagy and the Bears with Trubisky was trying to do that on that game on Thursday night. They don't have to do that every week, but if they can force some turnovers and play well and just let Aaron Rodgers not have to go out there and have to score 50-40 points every week, then yeah, the Packers have a very good chance of winning the NFC North. And I was against the Packers because I wasn't sure how the defense was going to respond and I wasn't sure how uh, Aaron Rodgers was going to look with the new head coach. And that still that offense is still too de- to be determined, but the defense shined and looked great. And you, like I said, a big divisional win on the road at probably your biggest rival's place. It goes a long way, and we're going to forget about this game later down the line when it comes to standings and everything, and then playoff picture when it's coming to take form. We're going to remember, oh, yeah, they the Packers did do that on the opening night. They did go in and pretty much shut them down. Wow, that was a really good win. So, That's my thoughts. I think the Packers definitely asserted their dominance with the defense and showed, hey, we're more than just Aaron Rodgers, but if the Packers do want a chance at NFC North, Aaron Rodgers and that offense and LaFleur, the head coach, are going to have to come together and make that better. Next question comes from Lexi Long, who asks, thoughts on that team up north? That team up north, I have to say their name, so I apologize because if you don't, don't like Ohio State or you're not a fan of Ohio State, you don't understand that reference, but that team up north is it's Michigan. I had to whisper that because I didn't want that getting everywhere, but it's, it's Michigan. So that team up north struggled the this past weekend against Army, who every the last two years have given fits to Power 5 teams. Almost beat Oklahoma last year in Norman in overtime. Almost beat Michigan this year in overtime. It's concerning because Michigan's offense hasn't looked good. And I get Army is a very hard team to prep for, to defend against on defense. But that just shouldn't be... It shouldn't have been as close as it was. And the offense for Michigan looks so detached. They did have a bit of a running game here. Um, I don't recall the player's name, but they did find a 
powerful runner that was ripping off big gains in this game. So that was a question mark for me was were they going to be able to run the ball effectively like they have been in years past. But the offensive play calling doesn't seem to be what it needs to be. I think it's only a matter of time before Harbaugh comes in. And they have... A difficult schedule, so we're going to find out here pretty soon how good and how real they are. I mean, they got to go to Wisconsin here pretty soon and a couple other um, toss-up games like Penn State and Maryland, who has looked great, who could go in and beat them as well. So I'm cons- if I were a That Team Up North fan, I would be concerned. Next question is from Shelby Garrett. Um, want to shout me out? I love sports. Can you do a segment on water polo? Shout out Shelby Garrett. Um, you don't like sports that like at all. And uh, yeah, I can do a segment on water polo. But I, since you love sports so much, why don't you come on and talk about water polo with me? There we go. Next, our last question comes from Jeff Prifty who asks, How would you compare the ACL recoveries of Zamir White and Jack Muldoon? Ugh. Jack Muldoon has sacrificed his body time after time on the athletic field uh, with two ACL injuries and tears, and the man has no ACLs anymore. Uh, I've seen him in his recovery play some golf. He doesn't really play. He just goes and drops the ball about 10, 20 yards away from the green and chips and putts, and that's a little concerning because he's not returned to full action. Apparently he is... Not going to return to playing pickup basketball competitively or anything like that. So, a little concerning there. So, on the other side, Samir White uh, had a touchdown this past week against Murray State. And his comeback very well. Kirby Smart loves what he can do on the ground. He provides a good complimentary back with Swift there at Georgia. So, if we're going to compare, I'm going to grade these. I think Samir White coming back... Um, was highly touted out of high school, tears ACL, red shirts, freshman year, coming back now and putting up numbers at Georgia as the backup and secondary back to Swift, scoring touchdowns. I'm going to give him an A, and I'm gonna not going to go too hard on Muldoon because different climates and different scenarios and situations that demands different performances so I'm going to give Jack Muldoon a B plus I know that might be a little bit easier but kids trying his ass off to get back out on the course and gosh who knows maybe we could hope he can find his way back onto the uh, basketball court for some pickup games here sooner or later we now shift focus from the mail sack who I appreciate each and every one of the listeners sending in questions. I really enjoy doing that. I'm probably going to do that every other week now. So I really hope for more questions and hopefully that segment just continues to grow. Once again, thank you to everyone who sent in questions. I now am going to shift our focus to the NFL. Normally I start with college football, but this week with it being in the opening weekend and everything, I wanted to get to that. I'm going to do things a little bit differently than what I have been doing. Normally I go week one. And then week two, I'm going to go week two and talk about what happened in the games last week and then give you a prediction for the two teams in the week two matchup. So hopefully that cuts down on some time because the last two episodes have been a little bit longer than normal. So let's see how this goes and try some things out. First game, you have the Buccaneers versus the Panthers on Thursday, September 12th. The Panthers giving a very good game to the Rams this past week, almost coming away with a victory, and Tampa Bay looking pretty bad against the 49ers. 49ers had two interceptions all of last year, had three in this game against Jameis Winston, and that seems to have been the total question mark with these Buccaneers. Uh, Besides run game and everything like that was can Bruce Arians get the best out of Jameis Winston and it really doesn't appear so right now on the opposite side of the field Cam Newton had 239 yards and a touchdown last week but the story for the Panthers last week was McCaffrey uh, on the ground 128 yards and two touchdowns and then receiving he had 10 receptions for 81 yards so he was killing it Uh, Godwin for the Buccaneers looked good at receiving last week, 53 yards and a touchdown. 
All in all, I think this shakes up to can the Buccaneers not turn the ball over, and I don't foresee that happening. I think the Panthers will be able to get after Jameis Winston, and their secondary is formidable, so I think he might turn over the ball a little bit, and that I think is going to in turn produce a win for the Panthers. Moving on to the Sunday games, we have the 49ers at the Bengals, and I will say this, I was extremely impressed with the Bengals on Sunday when they went to Seattle. They did end up losing, but Andy Dalton threw for 418 yards and two touchdowns. They did this all without Joe Mixon as well. John Ross stepped up big with the absence of A.J. Green. He had seven receptions for 158 yards and two touchdowns. On the opposite end, San Francisco's defense showed up very well against the Buccaneers, as I said. The Jury is still out on Jimmy Garoppolo. He only had 166 yards, one touchdown, and an interception. They're losing running backs like it's going out of style over there in San Francisco. They lose um, McKinnon, and then Matt Britta had a bit of a concussion scare. Tevin Coleman's ankle is hurting. So Morissette on the ground got nine carries for 40 yards, and uh, George Kittle had three touchdowns caught off the board. So... Awesome for them to do that, but he did lead the 49ers in receiving um, with eight receptions and 54 yards. I am going to take the Bengals in this one. I think being in Cincinnati is going to help, and I think if they get Joe Mixon back, which he might be still nursing a ankle injury is what I've been seeing on uh, Twitter and whatnot, but I do think the Bengals being at home and the defense can step up and maybe get to Garoppolo a little bit and if the passing game is working as well as it did against Seattle this week for the Bengals I think it's a no-brainer that they beat the 49ers next we have the Chargers at the Lions the Chargers winning in overtime against the Andrew Luck less Colts who were led by Jacoby Brissett who didn't play terrible at all but the Chargers go to the Lions who let a big Big lead, be squandered down to tie against Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. I'll be honest with you, TJ Hawkerson for the Lions is going to be the X factor in this game. But all in all, I think the Chargers are a better team. They filled in very well without Melvin Gordon, who it really hurts his um his leverage in this. Do I in? His contract negotiation, excuse me. Eckler played extremely well. He had three touchdowns. And then Keenan Allen receiving for them had 123 yards and a touchdown. Phil Rivers played extremely well. The defense played well enough to win. Um, I like the Chargers a lot, and it only made me feel better about them with how well Eckler and the other running backs produced without Melvin Gordon. As I said, the Lions, Teeter Hockerson is going to be a problem. It was a bit concerning to only see on Johnson get 49 yards on 16 carries. Matt Stafford did Matt Stafford things, 385 yards and three touchdowns. I'm going to take the Chargers in this one, unfortunately, to beat the Lions. Next, you have the Vikings going to the Packers. This is going to be a great game. The Vikings came out and performed extremely well, beating the Falcons, who just looked terrible. Kirk Cousins, though, only threw the ball 10 times. He was 8 for 10 for 98 yards and a touchdown. Dalvin Cook, though, was a story for these guys, for the Vikings. 21 carries, 111 yards, and two touchdowns. Adam Thielen had three receptions for 43 yards only, but did have a touchdown. And as I mentioned in uh, ASAP Berg's question, the Green Bay Packers offense struggled in the first week against the Bears. Um, Rodgers only throwing for 203 yards and one touchdown. Aaron Jones, who everybody says, free Aaron Jones this, free Aaron Jones that, blah, 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 blah. 13 carries, 39 yards, and the leading... Uh, receiver for Green Bay was MVS, as Nathan Chio told me to call him because I had no idea how to say that guy's name. He only had four receptions for 52 yards. If the Packers are going to win this, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to show up, and the offense is going to have to show up because they look they look like the weak point of that team right now, and that's not been the case for a while. And the Vikings. They're playing extremely well. It's going to be interesting to see how Kirk Cousins can go into 
a place like Lambeau Field and have to beat a winning a team with a winning record, that doesn't happen very often. So I'm going to go the Packers with that revamped defense to beat the Vikings. In a very, very good game, very close game, but the Packers are going to beat the Vikings. Next on the slate on the NFL games, you have the Colts going to the Titans. Colts looking okay with Jacoby Brissett last week against the Chargers. Brissett threw for 190 yards, two touchdowns. Marlon Mack looked good on the ground, 174 yards and a touchdown. T.Y. Hilton did not drop off either with Brissette quarterback, 87 yards and two touchdowns. But I think a big story happened in the NFL, and they're playing on the other side of the field. Uh, the Titans going to Cleveland and kicking the shit out of the Browns. Very demoralizing as a Browns fan. Marcus Mariota with 248 yards and two touchdowns. Derrick Henry with 84 yards on the ground and a touchdown, and also a receiving touchdown. And then the rookie, A.J. Brown, only three receptions for Tennessee, but racked up over 100 yards. If the defense continues to play well for Tennessee like it did, they picked off Baker Mayfield three times, uh, returned one of those for a touchdown. If they continue to play like that and that offense is able to keep Marcus Mariota healthy and Derrick Henry is doing what he's doing, um, the Titans are going to be a dangerously sneaky good team this year. Unfortunately, the in this game, I think the Colts are going to win. I think it's just time for them to get the win. I know it's only week two, so it's not really been like a, sh- a long season or anything like that. And when I say it's just time for them to win, I like the Colts better than the Titans. I like I, as a team. So I think the Colts go to Nashville and get the win on Sunday against the Titans. Next, you have the Patriots at the Dolphins. I'll say it again. The Patriots getting Antonio Brown is really putting an undefeated season into place for the Patriots. It's a definite possibility. I know it's extremely hard in the NFL to do that. Uh, the Patriots were the last team to really come close to it. I know there's been other teams that flirted with it, but them going all the way to the Super Bowl like they did and losing to the Giants, they I, I know it sounds crazy for me to say, but that offense has so many weapons, and they use all their weapons in so many different ways and the defense is extremely good um on the opposite side of the field the Dolphins suck apparently after their just humiliating game against the Ravens last week players were already asking to be traded they don't want to play on a tanking team all this stuff so we might see this game might feature two teams on entirely different ends of the spectrum. The Dolphins might not win a game and the Patriots might not lose a game. Obviously, I'm going to go with the Patriots in this one. Next, you have the Bills going to the Giants. The Bills coming back and their defense playing extremely well against the Jets last week and then the Giants losing to the Cowboys last week. It's got to be so frustrating as a Giants fan and more more a Saquon Barkley who you're such a good player but you see the rest of the offense being so just inefficient and so shitty I mean Eli Manning rarely throws the ball downfield and can't force the issue down the field so he's throwing these checkdowns or these short routes and they just don't have the playmakers for people in space like that to do that all the time. So Saquon Barkley is getting pounded on the run game, taking all these hits, and he's just not getting help with the quarterback situation or by his receivers. In this one, I like the Bills and Josh Allen to go into uh, the Meadowlands and beat the Giants. Next, you have the Seahawks going to the Steelers. Steelers getting embarrassed on... On Sunday night against the Patriots, didn't even get a touchdown in that game at all. Seahawks coming off the win against <clears throat> the Bengals, as I mentioned. The Seahawks, 196 yards and two touchdowns for Russell Wilson in that game. Chris Carson had a receiving touchdown and a touchdown on the ground for himself. And DK Metcalf was the leading receiver for the Seahawks, who are without uh, some key pieces at receiver right now. So he had four receptions at 189 yards. James Conner wasn't able to get anything going. He only had 21 yards rushing on 10 carries for the Steelers. I don't want to put must win as this right now for the Steelers, but it feels like a must win for the Steelers. Start the season 0-2, you lose Antonio Brown. The defense got shredded last week. 
going to probably have a hard time again this week with uh, Russell Wilson and what that offense likes to do. I Like I said, I put a must-win on this, but I don't think the Steelers do win. I'll take the Seahawks going into Pittsburgh and walking out with with a W. Next year, the Cowboys going to the Redskins. Cowboys looked great last week uh, beating the Giants. Ezekiel Elliott played well. Dak Prescott looked great in Kellen Moore's new offense. The Redskins on the other side, they were leading the Eagles at one point in the game by 17, and then they redskinned and end up losing the game. I think it is just another Cowboys big game here. I think Dak has a big game. I think everybody on that offense has a big game, and I think the Cowboys end up beating the Redskins. Next, you have the Cardinals going to the Ravens, and I think... If you're looking for a an exciting game to watch, this is going to be it because you have two of the most hyped guys that are coming off a of week one. I feel like you have Kyler Murray who had a very good game, brought back the Cardinals. I mean, Kyler Murray had 308 yards and two touchdowns. And then you have Lamar Jackson, 324 yards and five touchdowns. Happy for him. Happy for Kyler. I really still don't like Kyler, and I'm still a little questionable on Lamar Jackson because it it was against the Dolphins, but I know that's still an NFL team, and he still put up great numbers. I think this one comes down to the defenses, and I think the Ravens have a much better defense than what the Cardinals do, so I'm going to take the Ravens over the Cardinals. Next, you have the Jaguars going to the Texans. Texans losing on Monday night last night in what was a great game against the Saints. Deshaun Watson looked very good, was getting hit more than what I think they wanted to. They trade for Laramie Tunsil that was supposedly going to help address that need, but despite all that, three touchdowns and 268 yards for Deshaun Watson. Carlos Hyde played well, um, trading for him after the Lamar Miller injury looks like it's going to be okay right now. I mean, he had 83 yards and on 10 carries. And then DeAndre Hopkins, 111 yards and two touchdowns. What a freaking beast. Next, you have the Jacksonville Jaguars who lose Nick Foles to a shoulder injury, but Gardner Minshew came in. And I get it uh, wasn't a close game or anything like that, but did have 275 yards and two touchdowns and was spreading the ball all around the field to a variety of receivers. So that was good to see Gardner Minshew come in. I liked him at Washington State, and it was just good to see him come in and have some success. Unfortunately, I am going to take the Texans in this one. I think Deshaun Watson and that offense is going to be able to put up more points than the Jaguars, and that's all it takes at the end of the day to win games. All you got to do is score more points than your opponent. Next, the Chiefs go to the Raiders. The Chiefs look very good in their opening week against the Jaguars. Unfortunately, they do lose Tyreek Hill, but Sammy Watkins was a story at receiver. Three touchdowns, um, over 100 yards for him receiving as well. Was not expecting anything like that out of Sammy Watkins at all this year, and the first game he comes out and explodes. And they were rotating running backs in there between Damian Williams and LeSean McCoy and the third running back extremely well. Andrew Reid was doing a great job at that. On the other side, you have the Raiders, who surprised a lot of people with the whole Antonio Brown situation, how it was shaping up to work out and not having him. Everybody, I think, was selling low on the Raiders, and Josh Jacobs comes out for them, has 85 yards and two touchdowns on the ground, totals over 100 yards combined receiving and rushing, and Williams for them, 105 yards receiving and a touchdown. Derek Carr played okay, 259 yards and a touchdown. Um, I do think, though, that the home atmosphere and the emotion and everything really helped them out a lot. I do. I understand this game is at the Raiders as well this week, but I think the Chiefs are just a much better team than the Broncos, and the Chiefs are going to go into the black hole and walk out with a win. Next, you have the Bears going to the Broncos. Um... Both these teams' offenses looked pretty terrible, so whichever team I think finds their offensive identity in Week 2 is going to win, and I think more than likely that's going to be the Bears, and that defense is going to give Joe Flacco some problems because he was doing what Eli Manning was doing. Wasn't really forcing the ball down the field that much at all, only a few times, and when he did, it did work out. He got the ball to Corlin Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders a little bit down the field, and that was working. And also, I do want to say this. Philip Lindsay needs to be the feature back in Denver. Free, you, everybody talks free Aaron Jones, free Aaron Jones. Freeman for Denver is not as good of a player as Philip Lindsay. Free Philip Lindsay. He should be getting 25 touches a game. He can be a feature back like a Saquon, like 
and Alvin Kamara. Maybe not produces like high numbers like that. Or maybe he could. But he's just not been given the sample size or the chance to do that. Free Philip Lindsay. Unfortunately, though, I don't think the Broncos are going to do that. I think the Bears defense gives Flacco some problems, and I will take the Bears going into mile high. Next, a rematch of the NFC Championship game from last year. The Saints go to the Rams. The Saints are going to want to win this one real bad, and I think they do. They looked pretty good on Monday night. The defense was a little concerning, though, but with the Rams, I still want to see how Todd Gurley actually is when he has to go and be more than just like window dressing and everything. He did have close to 98 yards, close to 100 yards last week. Didn't score any touchdowns. Malcolm Brown vultured those away from him at the goal line. Um, it's going to be a great game, but I'm going to go with the Saints in this revenge game, and they are going to beat the Rams. Next year, the Eagles at the Falcons. The Falcons looked god-awful last week against the Vikings and I don't understand because they have such a good offense and so much talent on the offense and year in and year out besides that Super Bowl run they made a couple years ago it just doesn't pan out for them I'm going to take the Eagles in this one over the Falcons who looked very good last week once things started going Deshaun Jackson looks like he is going to be an extremely valuable asset to that team with how Carson Wentz can throw the ball and the run game was it was complimentary, I will say. At best, um, Darren Sproles was the rushing leader with nine rushes for 47 yards. But Carson Wentz played well, and I don't think the Falcons are going to have an answer on defense for him as well. So in the battle of these birds, we're going to go with the Eagles over the Falcons. Then the Monday night game, you have the Browns 0-1 going to the Jets 0-1. And this was this is a rematch of the Thursday night game last year where it was kind of Baker Mayfield's coming out party and the Browns getting a win against the Jets last year. I think it is going to be the same this year. I think the Browns are going to win. I think the discipline that was lacking in week one with all the penalties they accumulated um it was it was like a franchise record for penalty yards or something it was over 170 yards fucking ridiculous and that i think that goes right on to freddie kitchens and i know that has been a big question mark for a lot of people is how is freddie kitchens going to handle all the expectations the browns have and Will it be? Will he be a good enough coach? The first week he was not a good enough coach. I think the Browns came out and said they believed their own hype. They were good enough to just roll out and beat the Titans, and they weren't. Um, I don't think they're just good enough to come out and roll out and just beat the the Jets this week. But I think they're going to be more focused. I think Baker Mayfield is going to play better. Um, it's going to be an exciting game. Sam Darnold played. Didn't play terrible last week for the Jets. 175 yards and a touchdown. And Le'Veon Bell um, was contributing both in the passing game and the run game as well. So he looked good for them. But overall, I think a newly refocused Browns team is going to come out and go into New York and beat the Jets. And this is me speaking wishfully and hopefully, but... uh, with the Patriots, how they do every year, seemingly how they lose a game here or there, whether it be to I mean, the Lions last year, the Dolphins last year, and then they go on and win the Super Bowl, and you're like, how the hell did that happen? Hopefully, maybe, if you're a Browns fan, that is how they will look at this first game of the year against the Titans when they go on to have a successful season. They're like, how the hell did we play so bad that first week when we are having so much success now? So... That wraps up the NFL portion of Carson Sack podcast for this week's episode. We are now going to shift to college football. Shifting focus now to college football. This past week, I'm just going to touch on some of the bigger games that took place and talk a little bit about those and then shift focus to week three and talk about some big games there. As I said, trying to keep this episode a little bit more condensed because the last episodes were a little bit longer. So hopefully this helps. Cincinnati went to Ohio State, and Cincinnati loses 42-0. Justin Fields had another big game, had 224 yards through the air, two touchdowns, and then J.K. Dobbins had 141 yards on the ground and two touchdowns as well. The defense looked extremely good for Ohio State, and I know that has been a point of concern after last year and a little bit of the second half against Florida Atlantic, the first game for the Buckeyes. But the defense answered the challenge this week against a very physical team like Cincinnati who likes to run the ball and impose their will. And 
played extremely well and was going one and two deep pretty much the entire game. And Ohio State played, as I, I can't say enough, how well the defense played. And Justin Fields looked extremely good, making good decisions as well. Next, you had Michigan barely beating Army. Michigan, I'll read some stats for that. Uh, Shea Patterson, 207 yards. And then Charbonnet, Charbonetti. I don't know how to say the dude's fucking name. I really don't care. I don't care about Michigan at all. But this is the back that I was talking about earlier. 33 carries, 100 yards, and three touchdowns on the ground. That's what Michigan needs to help this offense is a running game and a running back that can do that. And he seems to be the one to do it. But still concerning that... They only beat Army by three at home. Then in an upset that I predicted, Maryland beating Syracuse. I didn't think they were going to do it like this, but Syracuse beats, I mean, Syracuse loses to Maryland 63-20, to and Maryland pretty much has dominated this game um, throughout. Next uh, was the big afternoon game. You had Texas A&M going to Clemson. This is, I will, I want to touch on this. Trevor Lawrence has not looked that great for Clemson so far this year. Only 268 yards, a touchdown in this game, and an interception. The running game and the defense has been amazing for Clemson so far. And we've seen Trevor Lawrence be able to take over games and win games through the air. And I don't think he's going to have to really do that until the college football playoff this year. But... Is it? It's concerning me just a little bit. A sophomore slump? Is that what Trevor Lawrence is going through right now? I don't know. Just something to keep an eye on. Or you could parlay that into on the opposite side saying Trevor Lawrence hasn't played well at all and they still blew out Georgia Tech and they still handily beat Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M was running a pretty shitty offense all game. I mean, just trying to complete short passes and get their guys out in space. But Clemson has much better athletes, apparently. And they were able, Clemson's guys were able to make open field tackles and make plays. So, as I said, Clemson beats Texas A&M 24-0. Wisconsin beats Central Michigan 61-0. Once again, Jonathan Taylor, 102 yards and three touchdowns. Get that man to New York already. Colorado beat Nebraska at home. Uh, Colorado started shaky the entire first half, and then the second half really turned it on and was able to beat the Cornhuskers. Are the Cornhuskers for real? We don't really know that just yet. This would have been a big win and a big test for them. Martinez looked much better this game than he did the first week. 290 yards and two touchdowns, but wasn't enough as the Buffalo from Colorado do end up getting the win. Alabama rolls in Mexico State. Georgia rolls Murray State. Oklahoma rolls South Dakota, obviously. Uh, the, the Saturday night game, LSU and Texas. Joe Burrow went in there into Longhorn Stadium, if that's what it's called. I don't know. And just whipped his dick out and said, Big Dick Joe, I'm here. I am good. Pay attention to me. Uh, 471 yards, four touchdowns, incredible receiving performance for Jefferson for LSU, 163 yards and three touchdowns. Sam Ellinger played extremely well too, 401 yards, four touchdowns through the air, and then 60 yards on the ground and a touchdown on the ground for him. This game delivered in so many ways. LSU was able to pull out the victory. It was a great game to watch. I enjoyed watching it. Apparently though, just a little side note, um... The visiting locker rooms at Texas don't have air conditioning. Pretty scummy move by Tom Herman in the athletic um, athletic department for Texas to do that. Just shape up. You're better than that, Texas. You're If you're really back, you don't need to do that type of shit. But, again, LSU looks very good. They jump up to fifth in the rankings as well. Um, jump in Ohio State, which is fine. It's the third week of the season. Totally fine with that. And they have right now probably the best win in the country. So really, they should jump all the way up to number one if you're asking me. But that's just my humble opinion. But Texas, maybe not all the way back, but still has a chance to make some noise this year. They just got to win out. I mean, that's not hard. I mean, you only got to beat Oklahoma twice. Yeah, whatever. That's not hard at all. LSU, though, still has to go through Alabama and Auburn and all these other SEC teams. So going to be important to keep an eye on them. But if Joe Burrow continues to play the way he has, that 
offense, and the Tigers are a very deadly team. Auburn struggles a little bit with Tulane, but wins 24-6. Oregon, after a disappointing game against Auburn, their first week comes back and routes Nevada 77-6. Boy, that is going to look real good style point-wise when the committee is deciding who's going to make the four uh, teams to be in the playoff. That 77-6 win against Nevada could push the Ducks in. Just keep, just remember that. I'm being sarcastic. So, next we have another Pac-12 showdown. We have Cal going to Washington and defeating in a big upset Washington, 14th in the country. Cal wins 20-19. to Cal's defense and their secondary is quietly one of the best in the country, and they were able to hold uh, Jacob Eason for the Huskies to 162 yards and a touchdown. And again, their offense, Cal's offense, not that great, but that defense and especially that secondary is going to help them stay in games all year. Then uh, the night game, the nightcap, you had Stanford going to USC and both these teams, Stanford 23rd in the country, both these teams without their starting quarterbacks and USC comes out and performs extremely well. Um, the backup Slovis for USC, 377 yards and three touchdowns, uh, propelling the Trojans over USC. Oh, excuse me, propelling the Trojans over the Cardinals of Stanford. We now move to week three, and there honestly are not a lot of big games. I'm going to keep things kind of brief here and just give you a rundown of some games that I think you should watch and can be intriguing. And I probably will be watching. North Carolina on Friday goes to Wake Forest. Both these teams are 2-0. North Carolina, pretty surprising how well they're doing already under Mac Brown. But I think they meet their match here going to Wake Forest. I really like Wake Forest's quarterback, um, Newman, already on the year, 713 yards and six touchdowns. And they're a very physical team. I think the fact that... North Carolina starts a freshman quarterback here, finally bites them in the ass, and especially since it's at Wake Forest. I understand Wake Forest isn't like, nobody is afraid to go play Wake Forest at Wake Forest. I'm not saying that, but I think on the road, um, they can, North Carolina and the quarterback can run into some issues, and Wake Forest can put up points in a hurry, and I think they're going to do that, and they're going to win. And this, to me, this next game I'm going to talk about is the game of the week. Go out of your way to watch this on Friday night at 9.15. If you're not doing anything, if you're pre-gaming or anything, or if you're just not going out, stay in and watch this game. It'll be highly entertaining. Um, and if, like I said, if you're pre-gaming or whatever, sure. But the game that I'm speaking about is Washington State and Houston. This game is going to be a shootout. It's going to be insane. The over-under is already at 75.5. I'm not a betting man. Yes, I am. Don't tell my dad. He's sort of. But like, I don't tell him all the time when I bet on. But don't tell him. But this game screams over. Both these offenses are extremely potent. King already for Houston has 306 yards and three touchdowns. And then Gordon, the quarterback for Washington State, already 884 yards and nine touchdowns. And then on the ground, uh, Borgai for Washington State, who they always need a complimentary running game, and I think they actually have it this year. Um, 162 yards and three touchdowns already for him. So watch this game, but I think Washington State does end up getting it done on the road at Houston. Next for the week three, you have Ohio State fifth and sixth in the country. Excuse me, going to Indiana. Indiana has, has notoriously given Ohio State problems. They've not been able to turn that into a win against the Buckeyes, but has been extremely close games for the better part of the last four or five years. I think that trend may continue a little bit for me the first half or so. Um, Indiana's quarterback, Penix, is pretty good. Um, that could cause some issues I th for the Ohio State newly vamped defense. But in the end, I think Ohio State, the better team, goes and wins. Uh, next, Pittsburgh goes to Penn State. I like Penn State in that one. Maryland, 21st in the country, goes to Temple. Temple plays extremely hard and extremely well and very good football. It's going to be a hard-fought game for Maryland, but in the end, I do think that the Terps beat Temple. Then Chattanooga goes to Tennessee. Tennessee 0-2 after losing to BYU last week. As I did, I called that upset as well, if you want to call that 
an upset. Um, can Chattanooga win this game? Yes, I certainly can. Do I think they do? Unfortunately, I don't. And Tennessee finally gets the first win of the season. In a very sneaky, probably good game of the week, uh, you're going to have Kansas State go to Mississippi State. Both of these teams are 2-0. Kansas State looks um, like a totally different team on offense now that Bill Snyder has gone, and no disrespect to him at all. But they're putting up points a lot better, and it's going to be a good test for Mississippi State's defense and the rest of that team. I think being at Mississippi State, though, is going to help the uh, Bulldogs here, and I'm going to take Mississippi State. Next, moving on, like I said, not a lot of good matchups this week at all. Alabama goes to South Carolina. you got to think Alabama rolls in that one. Stanford goes to UCF. If UCF wants to continue and try and change my mind that they're the best non-Power 5 team in the country, I think it's Boise State. There's a big game for them to do that, but I I just think UCF does end up winning this because Stanford looked a little out of whack with the backup quarterback. USC goes to BYU. This will be a fun game to watch and a tough game for both these teams, but I think USC comes out and their playmakers make more plays. BYU is going to be a more physical team, I feel like, but I think USC does end up getting the job done. Then... Arizona State goes to Michigan State. Michigan State had an offensive explosion last week. Uh, Arizona State is an offensive team as well, so if Michigan State's defense can slow down what Arizona State's trying to do, um, then they have a very good chance, and I think Michigan State has the defense to do that, so I'm going to take Michigan State in that one. The college game day is going to Iowa State, where Iowa's going to be facing Iowa State. Iowa's 19th in the country, and Iowa State almost lost to Northern Iowa the first week. Purdy for them, 278 yards and two touchdowns on the year. And then Stanley for Iowa, 488 yards and six touchdowns. I'm going to take Iowa over Iowa State in this one. I think the physicality of Iowa and the discipline they play with is going to propel them over Iowa State. A hometown team, you have two teams. You have Louisville going to play Western Kentucky and Nashville. Louisville, I expect to win this one because Western Kentucky is dog shit, and they are not very good, and it pains me to say that. Next, we stay with another hometown team. Kentucky hosts ninth-ranked the Florida Gators. <clears throat> As I mentioned earlier with the mail sack, um, Sawyer Smith is now the quarterback for the Cats, and that is... Overall, I don't think it hurts the overall ex- expectations for the season of Kentucky. I still think the strength of that team is the run game. And unfortunately, I am going to take Florida in this one. I understand it. it's going to be at Kroger Field, Commonwealth Stadium, whatever you want to fucking call it. It's going to be in Lexington, and it's going to be a raucous environment. And I think the coaching staff is going to do a great job of developing a game plan and helping Smith succeed early on, but that one I think Florida is going to be able to see what they're trying to do and they're going to be able to take those things away. And I think the ground game is going to be limited for Kentucky because I like what Florida does up front in their front seven. And if you're asking me, do I feel 100% confident in Sawyer Smith having to go out and throw the ball around the field and win me a game right now, I, I can't say I am, so I'm going to take the Gators over Kentucky. Continuing on, Clemson goes to Syracuse. Um, I think this is the week where Trevor Lawrence really snaps out of it and has a big game and expect Syracuse to try and maybe keep it close for a half or so, but then I think Clemson comes out and just rolls. Um, Oklahoma goes to UCLA. That's going to be um, a track meet, but I think Oklahoma ends up winning that. And then... Shit, TCU at Purdue. That'll be a fun little game to watch. Uh, TCU is the favorite right now. Purdue 1-1 one one on the year. Uh, Duggan for TCU, only 165 yard, 65 yards on a touchdown. I'm going to go with Purdue in this one. It is at, oh, it's at Purdue, so that's even better. Um, yeah, I will go with Purdue in this one over TCU in a very hard-fought game. And that closes out the college uh, football slate for Week 3. As I said, not a lot of... Big games this week, but um, 
a lot of intriguing matchups. The game I'm looking most forward to, as I said, is that Friday night game of Washington State going up against Houston. So if you can, try and watch that one because I think it's going to be a very exciting game. All right, we did a lot better on time this week. I like how things seems a little bit easier as well. Um, we're sitting at 49 minutes right now. That's perfect. I'm going to wrap this week up with a couple things. One shout-out to Rafael Nadal, 19 slam championships for him. That's very impressive. He's now only one back of Roger Federer after his win um, in the U.S. Open final this past Sunday. So shout-out to him. And then a real big... Um, what the fuck are you doing to Kent State? Um, I know this has kind of garnered some conversation online and there was some outrage and I don't think it's really gone past that yet. I haven't seen a statement issued by the NCAA or the University of Kent State or anything like that yet. So for anybody that doesn't know, Kent State was hosting another team. I do not know the other team that was playing. I apologize about that. But they were hosting a girls field hockey game and it went into overtime and that game was preparing to overlap and run into the setup of the fireworks and other things for the football game at Kent State. Um, One, Kent State, who the hell schedules a game like that so close to kickoff? I understand that it's probably a common occurrence and that might be a case um, that teams and around the country do that. But this is the first time it's ever been like publicized like this so who really does that to begin with and then to just discredit a sport and the athletes and the girls that were playing in that game is extremely um humiliating that you would do that to them and I think that's bullshit I'm not just doing this because I like am trying to be on the right side of this topic or anything I really do believe like I have had friends that played field hockey um, in high school and at the collegiate level, I, and it's upsetting because I know how hard they work at, at that stuff and how much time they put in to that and just finish the game. Like it's not that hard. And apparently there, there is a video out cause they said they need to shut the game down for fireworks and the fireworks were fucking terrible. It looked like they bought them off the side of the road at something like the Joe Dirt stand in the movie. Like, it's just so terrible. It's a terrible look for Kent State. And, a, like I said, a big, what the fuck are you doing? Let the girls finish their play and say s- sorry to the football fans. And the fans. Weren't even that many fans there to begin with. So I think they would have been okay with pushing the kickoff back a little bit more. So that is my uh, take on that. Sorry to get all riled up there, but man, I, it's 2019. Let's stop disrespecting women. Am I right? So, thank you for joining me on episode 56 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. I really enjoyed doing this episode. The Mail Sack will be back in two weeks. Um, I hope you have a good rest of your week. And hope the sporting events this week are something good for you. Thank you all for joining me on Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. And as we always end here, we will... Be seen. Ladies, hold up the champagne, a whole lot of it. Painkillers, they got back pain, oh, you gotta love it. Things out of NYD in my hallways, I got a lobby of them. Up and down with Chase Monday nights, we made a hobby of it. Still down with the same dogs, man, they never loved us.